section nineteen of neighbourhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten october part one with each october in every year for a long time past i have watched for the going of the martins but have never yet contrived to witness the moment of their flight it has always happened in the same way one day they have been as busy as ever about the roof eaves their chattering song pervading the house unceasingly from dark to dark and then a morning comes generally towards the end of the first week in the month when i awaken to a curious sense of strangeness and loss first i mark the unwanted silence outside the windows and then i guess what has come about looking forth i see that the little mud-houses huddled together in a long row under the eaves are deserted and silent at last but to-day though i miss the departure of the martins as usual i was not wholly disappointed getting up in the new silence and throwing the windows back i looked along the roof edge save for the chippering and fluttering of a few sparrows there was nothing to be seen or heard in the dim grey light but it seemed the little army could have been away only a few minutes before me for while i looked i saw the last of them depart one single note of the remembered song broke out overhead there was a whir of wings and the little black and white bird lanced straight off going due south unhesitatingly as though the vanished throng of her companions was yet visible far away in the skies it was a still grey warm morning there had been no dew everything as presently i went along by the woodside was quite dry and though it was barely eight o'clock all the spiders in the bushes were hard at work weaving their snares it was almost perfect spinning weather on windy mornings though the webs must be made the task is difficult and the work seldom properly carried out but to-day there was only a vague air moving from the southwest, and all the spiders had got to work betimes and with light hearts the great charm in all nature study is to find out the truth for yourself at first hand there are few things in my life i regret so keenly as the reading of nature books this has robbed me of many a moment of pleasurable surprise for to recognise a commonly accepted fact is poor substitute for its original discovery although this discovery may have been made by others a thousand times before looking back over twenty years poking and prying in the woods and fields around windlecombe i rejoice not so much at the many things i have found out 
but at the fact of so many things still unread of and still remaining to be discovered this morning as i went along by the bushes in the lee of the wood and saw the spiders at work it suddenly occurred to me that i knew little or nothing about them and the recognition of this ignorance came to me as truest bliss i fell to looking on at the ingenious complicated work with almost as much anxiety and interest as the male spiders themselves for it appears to be only the female who spins a web the big-bodied spider so industriously occupied in every gap of the thicket is always the female though the male is never far off you are sure to find him peering out from under one of the adjacent leaves or treading timidly on the circumference of the web trying to attract the attention and thereafter perhaps the regard of its maker spider nets and their weavers have i think never been given quite their place in the world of wonders as far as human profit is concerned spiders are useless things and have therefore missed because from that standpoint they have not merited popular favour but no doubt their ingenuity as craftswomen stands very nearly on a level with that of the worker honey-bee the waxen comb of the bee whose perfection is due to the combined arts of engineer mason and geometrician is very little superior in design and carrying out to the spider's web on these still grey autumn mornings the tendency of the eye is not to wander far afield but to concern itself with the little things of the wayside close at hand and so more than at any other time of the year perhaps the spiders and their ways come in for narrow scrutiny and here is something in the first loving investigation of which the uninformed unread observer is much to be envied he notices in the outset that these fine silken snares hung by the spiders in the hedgerows are of two kinds the one placed vertically across a gap in the surface of the thicket the other placed horizontally closing up some shaft or upward passageway in the heart of the green bush the vertical net is seen to be composed of a number of threads radiating from a common centre and upon these threads an ever-increasing spiral line has been laid forming a regular meshed net but the horizontal web has none of this geometric neatness it is a mere expanse of fine tissue irregularly woven into a sort of crazy pattern and slung hammock fashion completely closing the chimney-like hollow wherein it has been made from a view of the finished webs two other facts will be noted the vertical net is supported only by lines springing from its circumference 
and the spider sits at its centre in front the horizontal net is suspended by numberless fine lines attached at all points in its upper surface while the spider clings to the underside as she lies in wait for her prey but it is in the actual weaving of the nets that the interest of the onlooker will be chiefly centred the maker of the vertical or cartwheel pattern of web begins operations in various ways according to the conditions imposed upon her by the weather and the spot she has selected webs made in calm seasons or when only light airs are stirring will have few mainstays and these may be of considerable length but in windy times the spider will stretch her snare on only short hawsers using as many as may be necessary to make assurance doubly sure but in either case she will commence the work in much the same way first she goes to the highest point on the windward side of her gap and turning her head to the current begins to pay out a line behind her as she floats this out she continually tries it with her leg until she knows that the end of the line has caught in the opposite twigs then she runs to the middle of this horizontal line dragging after her another thread which she has previously attached to her original starting point from the centre of the first line she lowers herself vertically always dragging the second line in her rear until she reaches a twig below here she draws her second line tight and fastens it after which she climbs to the horizontal line and repeats the manoeuvre only this time from its leeward end thus the triangle of mainstays the first essential in all spiderweb making is complete the weaving of the net within this triangular frame is the next work undertaken the spider when she first dropped from the centre of her uppermost thread made a vertical line in descending some point on this line marks the centre of the future cartwheel pattern of web and this central point the spider now finds unerringly and begins to put in one by one the radiating spokes of the wheel when all these spokes are in place she returns to the centre and revolving her body quickly she forms upon it a close spiral of four or five turns this is to be her seat and watch-tower whence she will keep the whole web under observation having done this she now if the morning is at all breezy carries temporary stray lines from spoke to spoke all round the web these isolated circles of thread occurring at intervals of an inch or so between centre and circumference but on still mornings this part of her work is omitted as unnecessary and she proceeds at once to the main spinning of the net 
the construction of the cross threads between the spokes of the web is always commenced at the extreme outer edges of the space to be filled and the spider works inwardly carrying the thread round and round from spoke to spoke until she arrives within half an inch or so of the central small spiral but the two are never joined an interval is always left where the web consists of nothing but bare radiating lines the snare is now finished the spider takes up her station in the middle of the net with no more to do for the rest of the day but take what fair chance and her own crafty ingenuity may provide yet having thus watched the making of a spider web from start to finish and having noted all the details of construction here set down there is something more about the matter which if it escape the observer will leave him in the rather disgraceful plight of having missed the most wonderful thing of all the spider's snare is not woven throughout of the same kind of thread two kinds are used and the difference between them is apparent even to eyes of very moderate power while the triangle and the radiating lines are made of plain silk the cross threads are corrugated and look like strings of tiny transparent beads a touch of the finger will prove that these beads are really adhering drops of some glutinous fluid whose use is not difficult to guess but how do the beads get on to the line seeing that this when first drawn from the spider's body is visibly nothing but a plain filament of silk like the rest of the web the question has been asked many times and the answer commonly given is i have come to believe an entirely erroneous one we are told that the thread used for the crossbars in a spider's web when it first emerges from the creature's body is only smeared not beaded with the gluten but that after attaching each segment of the spiral to the spokes the spider gives it a twang with her foot thus causing the gluten to separate into beads here then is a fact such as one would read in the nature books and unquestionably accept but a little independent experiment with various kinds of strings elastic or non-elastic and smeared with different glutinous substances reveals the fact that no amount of twanging will induce the latter to divide into beads such as one sees in the spider line in every case the tendency of the gluten in the experiment is to fly off altogether or to gather to one side of the string but to any that desires to know the truth of the thing the spider herself will speedily resolve the difficulty watch her at work and it will soon be seen that the beads are formed on the line not by twanging but by stretching 
at the moment each length of sticky thread is drawn from the spider's spinnerets it is destitute of beads but the spider quickly stretches it out to nearly double its original length and then as quickly slackens it whereupon before she has well had time to fasten the thread in its place the beads will be seen to have formed themselves throughout its entire length said miss susan angel this evening as i leant over the counter of her little dark shop studying the rows of sweet stuff bottles beyond the chillin here tis real astonishing how changeable they be one time tis all licorice wear em and next tis all sherbet suckers and then maybe tis naught but toffee balls for weeks on end but you she turned me a glance full of smiling proud approbation you come winter or summer come rain or shine i allers nores twill be nobbut black fours she reached down the ancient glass jar and stabbed at its contents ruminatively with an iron fork black fours ah she mused as the shining magpie lumps rattled into the brass scale pan and i never smells em but i thinks o my old missus as lorry me how many long year ago fond on em were she ah and scrunch em up i could quicker an air one wi' a natural jaw what kind of jaw then had she susan ah i believe ye my dear the money as it costed all gold and ivory like and red stuff and when a died did i never show em to ye she disappeared into the little kitchen behind the shop i heard a drawer unlocked there was a sound of rummaging accompanied by asthmatic interjections miss susan angel came forth again bearing a bulky parcel this as she removed various coverings became smaller and smaller until from a final wrapping of tissue paper there appeared a beautiful double set of false teeth miss angel held them up to my gaze admiringly left em to me i did twill all writ in her will to my faithful servant and friend susan angel i give and bequeath and all the rest on it ah bless her and rest her soul it seemed rather an appropriate legacy for miss angel had possessed not a single tooth of her own in all the years i had known her but the display of the treasure provoked a very natural commentary how long have you had these put by susan nigh upon thirty year my dear and never used them yourself all that time although you what the old lady drew herself up the youthful blue eyes in her wrinkled face flashing indignation what do you say me usin me the very same as my dear old missus child we 
Shame on ye! Not if there was naught to eat but crackin' nuts left in the world for us all. I took the rebuke in penitent silence. When she had restored the revered relics to their locker in the back room, she resumed her knitting in the great wicker chair behind the counter. In a minute or two, she had alike forgiven me and forgotten the cause of her displeasure, as I knew from her tone. How the evenings do draw in, to be sure, she observed, laying down her work. A most dark it be, though tis no more than six o'clock. The ancient timepiece in the corner promptly droned out eleven. Miss Angel clapped her hands. What did I tell ye? she said triumphantly. Wonderful good time a keeps when I recollects to put em back regler. She rose and reversed the hands for a circle or two. That'll do till mornin', said she placidly. You wants to be a little particular in country places, at bean't like in towns where gypsies, I do believe, and this time o' night to be sure. I followed her sudden glance to the doorway. A heavy grinding of wheels had sounded outside, and across our field of view, silhouetted against the deep turquoise blue of the night, there passed what looked like a gypsy's caravan. A bony horse toiled in the shafts, and a long lean man walked in front, dragging at the animal's bridle with almost as much apparent effort. Lights shone from the windows of the vehicle, and its chimney smoked voluminously against the stars. As it went by, we could see another man sitting upon the steps in the rear, his squat, bulky form entirely blocking the open door place. The caravan pulled up about midway over the green. Now, that won't do observed miss angel decisively we wants none o they sort traipsin about windlecombe after dark leastways not as them as keeps chicken tis on your road home jest give em a word as you goes by my dear tell em as you wants to save trouble for the policeman End of section nineteen